Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, June 23rd, 2023. I'm Micah Chopley. All right, TGIF, we finally made it to Friday. Been a crazy week for me. Earlier in the week, I was in New York. Now I'm back in San Francisco, so all kind of jet lagged. And uh, I think I need the weekend to get over this jet lag. But it's uh, not good. I'm, like dragging. Went out with friends earlier. Us like-minded San Francisco libertarian conservatives who found each other during COVID. And our group continues to grow. Little by little. Little by little. Uh, so there's a lot going on. You know, I, uh, I don't know exactly what's happening in Russia. I have to admit. I'm not that positive what's going on. So I'm looking over some of these stories about what's happening. <clears throat> it looks like it's some kind of a coup. All right. Um, there's a Wagner group. Is it Wagner or Wagner? I think it's Wagner. I think it's Wagner. A Wagner mercenary group. <clears throat> They're threatening to march on Moscow. Um, and the guy who heads the Wagner mercenary group Evgeny Prigrozin, Prigrozin, Evgeny Prigrozin. He's the head of Russia's Wagner Wagner mercenary group, and um, he said he had met with the deputy Russian defense minister and would hand back control of the city if Sergei Zugo, the Russian defense minister, and Valery Gerasimov, the head of the Russian military handed over to him. He blames them for poor military leadership and for unnecessarily killing thousands of Russian soldiers. Until there are no more, we will stay here, blocking the city of Rostov, and then we'll go to Moscow, he said in the video, shot in the center of Rostov. Rostov is the main military headquarters for Russia's top commanders directing the Kremlin's invasion of Ukraine. In the video, Mr. Prigozhin wears a military uniform and is armed. Other videos clearly show heavily armed fighters wearing Wagner badges strolling around the city and taking up defensive positions. We're not running away. We came to stop the shame of the country in which we live. He said, we are saving Russia. Russia's FSB security services have opened a criminal case against Mr. Pogrosin for launching an armed rebellion, though he has denied that he has initiated a coup. Um, the head of the Wagner, this, this goes going back and through a, a timeline now. And uh, it looks like this military group, this Wagner military group, is upset at the way Russia is running the war, is what it looks like. That's what it looks like to me. So they're threatening to take it over. So it's a little coup between this Wagner group and the Russian military. So it'll be interesting to see how Putin deals with this whole thing. Um, now, Prigozhin has said that 60 to 70 Russian soldiers have mutined, mutinied and joined his coup attempt. He also said his forces have engaged in skirmishes against Russian soldiers. Fighting takes place in places where the military leadership gives false information to fighters and therefore skirmishes occur. 
he said in an audio message posted on his Telegram channel. Where soldiers meet us, the National Guard and the police, they wave their hands joyfully, and many of them say, we want to go with you. This could be not, this couldn't be independently confirmed. Uh, there are videos <coughs> that citizens are taking of this Wagner group setting up posts, places, and uh, soldiers setting up and uh, pointing their guns at uh, certain, uh, I guess, the headquarters, the uh, Moscow. Who knows? This is all so confusing. I can't figure out exactly what's happening here. Um, but Russia, the Kremlin, has accused the leader of the Wagner mercenary group of attempting an armed coup against Russia. Okay. So there are a lot of threats going back and forth. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But um, this is just, this all started earlier today. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I did want to mention it because it seems like a big story that's developing. Um, and uh, there's more. If, and if anyone wants to come on and talk about this and what they know about this, um, then I'd be happy to uh, hear what you have to say. Maybe we'll talk more about it later in the show. But as I speak, this is all like developing. And uh, so probably more will happen over the next 24 to 48 hours. Probably have more to talk about on Monday. But uh, right now it looks like that this group called the Wagner Group uh, looks like they're not very happy with the way Russia has been running the Ukraine war. They say they're unnecessarily killing Russian soldiers and they are threatening to take over the Kremlin. I don't Moscow, I don't know how they're going to do it, but this is what they, they're claiming. Okay, so crazy stuff, crazy stuff happening in, in Russia. And like I said, if anyone has any more information about this, you're happy to have you on and talk about it because I don't know that much about it. What I do know more about is Hunter Biden. We didn't talk about Hunter Biden uh, yesterday. So it's not a shock to me or to any of us that Hunter Biden got off with a slap on the wrist. There's no way in hell that we're going to put the president's son in jail, the sitting president's son in jail. It wasn't going to happen. We know this. So there was no such thing as equal justice. I mean, we had that moron Obama in an interview yesterday saying, well, the fact that Trump has been indicted twice shows that no one is above the law. Well, bullshit. It's, it shows that to, to them, Trump is below the law, right? That Joe Biden can use his uh, Justice Department to go after his political enemies. So while Barama, Barama, Barack Obama tries to spin it as like a, uh, a justice, truth, justice in the American way kind of a thing, we know it's all about third world country banana republic stuff where a, a uh, president is trying to get revenge against his political enemy who's looking to run against him again. And here we have Hunter Biden once again. How does this fit in with no one's above the law, right? Now, after he gets this slap on the wrist, we have a whistleblower who says that Joe Biden knew and has proof that he knew that Joe Biden know, knows, every, knows everything. Remember, Joe lied. He was asked by, by uh, Peter Ducey when he was running, do you ever talk to your son about his business dealings? And he said, no, I'm never, Jack, never, never. You know, and he kept on saying that. So there's a tweet, and this is from Hunter Biden. This is to Chairman, uh, 
this is through uh, Zhang. And this is like a kind of a uh, threat that he makes to him. If they don't do business the right way, they're going to be in trouble. The, the tweet is basically this. I'm sitting here with my father. I would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director I'd like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. And Z, Zhang, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will not that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. So he's basically th threatening this guy, saying, my father, me and my father will use all of our political clout and power to bring you down if you don't do if you don't do business with us. Right now, could you imagine if Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump had written something like this and said, I'm sitting here next to him. Remember, Donald Trump got impeached, basically, supposedly, right, for talking to Zelensky and saying, like, if you don't play ball, if you don't do this, I'm not going to give you this. This is a million times worse. This is the son of a president threatening someone, saying, if you don't play ball with us, if you don't play ball with us, we're going to use all of our political clout to destroy you. Me and my father, me and my father, right? Me and my former vice president father, soon to be president father, right? And this is not covered by the media. Well, I should say that finally the New York Times did a little bit of a coverage of this. But mostly it's been Fox News podcasts and the New York Post. But I think finally, from what I understand, the Times did mention something about this. But once again, can you imagine if this was Eric Trump or Donald Trump Jr. saying, I'm sitting here with my father, and if you don't do if you don't play ball with us, you better watch out. We're gonna use all of our power to take you down. Right? I mean, this is like something out of uh the Godfather, right? It's not the Corleone family, it's the Biden family. If Trump Jr. or Eric had done this, could you imagine the media coverage this would get? Could you imagine? And if he was the sitting president, Trump, once again, this would be impeachment number three, four, and five all rolled up into one. But we know there's a double standard here. We know it. This is why Hunter Biden's not in jail right now. Because there's a double standard. If you're a Democrat, you can get away with this stuff, right? It's like Nixon said, right? What did Nixon say? If you're the president, it's not illegal. If the president does it, it's not illegal. Well, if the Biden administration does it. If Biden does it, if Hunter Biden does it, it's not illegal. If Donald Trump does it, if Eric Trump, if a Republican does it, it's illegal, but not if a Democrat does it. I mean, this is really bad stuff. I'll stop short of saying treason because we know this is not treason. Everything people say is treason is not treason. Treason's very, very rare. But this is horrible. You can call it treason us, right? Um, and it's horrible stuff. It really is. It really shows. Look, we know Biden was full of shit. Come on. You're a father and you never talk to your son about his business. I don't know any father who doesn't talk to their son about their business. So we know Joe was lying about this shit from day one, as Joe has lied for his entire life. Joe Biden's a habitual liar. He's a better liar than Trump. He is. Trump's not a good liar. I, I know every time he's lying. 
right? But everyone took Joe Biden at his word because he was so stern. No, I've never talked to my son about his business, Jack. Never. Stop asking the question, you one pony trick, one trick pony, pony. And everyone believed him, right? He's a good liar, uh, uh, Biden. Much better liar than Trump. Much better. Trump is easier to see through. But Joe Biden's been lying for half a century as a politician. I mean, Donald Trump, I'm sure, lied as a businessman many times. But he hasn't been lying for 50 years as a politician, as a senator, vice president, and president. So this guy is a is a half century. This guy, Biden, has been lying as long as I've been alive, right? He started lying. He started in politics and lying in politics like the year I was born, basically. That's how long this guy has been a liar. And we know he's corrupt. We know Hunter Biden's corrupt. Why would Hunter Biden get eight million dollars? Where's where's Hunter Biden's skills to make eight fucking million dollars? Give me a break. The guy is a crackhead, whoremonger, lowlife, white trash. Right. And this guy's making millions of dollars. The Chinese are throwing millions of dollars at him. Come on. The whole thing is corrupt. He's used his clout, his name, his father's position to make money. To blackmail people. This is a blackmail tweet. Play ball or the guy next to me, the big guy, Joe, is going to find out who he can use in his Rolodex of connections to destroy you. We will. We'll destroy you. We'll see how far this goes. But once again, they're not going to put the sitting president's Trump, uh, sitting president's son in jail when it's his Justice Department. This is Joe Biden's Justice Department, and they'll never do that. First of all, that'll be giving, in a way, in, in, a, in a de facto, indirect way, that'll be giving the Trump, that'll be giving, you know, uh, Trump satisfaction, and they'll never do that. They'll never, ever do it. So, once again, we'll see where this goes but my guess is I'm shocked, in fact, that the Times even gave it a little bit of coverage. Maybe it's getting to the point where these media outlets that are run by the DNC, you know, at some point their credibility is going to be so strained if they don't give some kind of coverage to it. But we'll see exactly how much coverage they give to this. Hey, CR, how's it going? What's up, CR? Oh, good. How you been? Uh, hanging in there. Hanging in. That's pretty much all we can do these days, right? <laughs> exactly. It's the only choice we have. Um, I, I, I had a, I had a, maybe you, you might, you might have heard this one already, but uh, I thought it was kind of interesting to bring up on the topic you were just talking about about Hunter Biden. Um, and this, uh, uh, you, you've been following the sub, the sub thing, right? Uh huh. Now, here's now. Obviously, I, 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 you know, just kind of putting this together from other stuff that I read, you know, and I obviously I can't say this, you know, what I mean? but just from what I've been able able to kind of glean from it, the Navy, I think it was yesterday, admitted that they actually heard the sound of the the the, the craft imploding on Sunday. Now, okay, what I heard about that was they detected, they detected some kind of a sound that they, that could have been an implosion, but they weren't quite sure 
what they were hearing. Yeah, no, they still though. What 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 ultimately though, if you l- listen to later on, four days later, once the the release came out, they said, "Yeah, we're pretty sure they're dead, and we know they're dead because we heard the sound of the ship imploding." Yeah. So all of the re- early releases, I was you know, I was watching. That very came out right when they finally admitted, yeah, we knew that they were dead, you know, and they all reference, we know they were dead because we heard the sound of them imploding. And I'm going, well, now the Navy's admitting that they heard that sound on Sunday. James Cameron also said that, you know, he, from his sources in the interview, he said from his sources that he had said that he, that they had heard the sound of it imploding. And so pretty much everybody knew, but anyways, I'll, I'll jump to the point. So they, I, what I would surmise when I, and I think a lot of other people have kind of come to is that they delayed this story and drug it along for the whole week until it came out to the Hunter Biden uh, plea deal. And if you notice that the plea deal came at the same time when we all pretty much found out later on that day that, yeah, they were dead. And then that dominated the news cycle rather than, oh my gosh, the president's son is, is, is pleading guilty to some shit. You Mm -hmm. notice that? Mm -hmm. And they, they could have had that story on a Monday morning, but they drug it out all the way till Thursday. So that, that, so, you know what I mean? So that, that this, this is narrative control. And this is the thing, this is the thing that bothers me the most because also, whatever, you know, I'm not going to get into like, this is not like a partisan thing or whatever. You know what I mean? This is, this is the machine. This is the system. You know what I mean? This is, this is, this is our government. This is capitalism, whatever you want to, whatever name you want to put on it, the deep state, you know, all those things are all working in concert, right? To kind of control the mainstream narrative. And it's clearly ramped up at this point, because this is the kind of shit that we get now on the daily. Right. Where the important the, this this is important stuff. Where like the fucking president's son is copying to some shit when he really should be, you know, in trouble for much more. And they're letting off really light, like you said, two tier justice system, totally. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, persecuting their political opponents. Obviously, all of those things are in it. Right. Right. And so, but to me, the thing that is bugging me the most about all this is how well they're managing the fucking narrative so that me and you are pretty much the only ones sitting here fucking pulling our hair out going like, why does anybody understand this fucking shit is important? Right. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's really easy though. I mean, we have a press that just doesn't cover the stuff. I mean, that's the way they're they. They're the fucking submarine. They're doing right. the, the job to, to, that they're supposed to do to distract us with the big sensational story. Right. Yeah. Look, it's, it's, you could talk, you could say that um, this story has been going on forever though, with Hunter Biden and his IRS stuff and, you know, his criminal activity. It's not like a, a new breaking story, right? This is stuff that's been going on since before, before Joe Biden ran, before the 2020 election, right? In fact, the stuff's been going on since like October of 2019, yet they didn't let the American public know it until October of 2020, right? So this stuff was going on a year, a full year before the election, and yet they, they hit it for a whole year. So they don't even need 
a story like a, uh, a an implosion that kills five people to cover things up, to cover the story up, right? And then we saw what happened in October it, of 2020, where Twitter just deleted the, the New York Post account, right? They put yeah. the story up and they just deleted the whole account. So there are so many things they can do. They have so many resources to control the narrative, right? And so did they you know, they really need this submarine thing? No, they didn't really need that. No, it's always, it's always never letting a good crisis go to waste. I don't think yeah. that they're really like sitting there like maniacally planning behind the thing. They're going like, oh, we have this important data. It was actually funny because Dan Crenshaw of all fucking shitty ass fucking people, shitty politicians, <laughs> he, tweet, he tweeted out, he said, it's very weird. I contacted... You know, the Coast Guard and da, 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 and the Navy and everybody. And I'm wondering, like, I know we have these special ships. Why aren't you sending them out there? And they told me that they're being put on hold. And I think that's suspicious. Mm-hmm. And he tweeted that really early on, like on, you know, Monday or Tuesday into the into the thing, you know. Anyways, the point being is, is that, like, I think there was definitely a lot of people that pointed out that we had the cap- much more earlier capabilities to know immediately really what happened. And yet they drug it on. And here's the here's the thing that really, I think is fucked up because I actually do think that they they're, they're this they're this fucking cynical. They go, oh, this is great, this will distract the fucking the news cycle for a while, but they don't think about the shit of where people actually were thinking of people slowly dying of no oxygen. Uh-huh. Then they're that that that's how cruel these people are. And and, right. and you go like, oh well, of course they wouldn't be doing that. Why would they bother? But I'm like, no, this is actually indicative of the kind of shit that they do. All right. The kind of shit that they do. This is the yeah. kind of crap that, that they do. We we know this. We know, like, you know what I mean? Whether you go back to the Tostigi experiments or whatever, or, or or to the fucking bajillion bombs that Barack Obama dropped, or you know what I mean, or the fucking military bases in Hawaii that right now are currently poisoning their water. Mm-hmm. You know, ad nausea. We could just go on and on and on. Right. You know what I mean? So it, it, Dr. Fauci putting fucking little dogs' heads into traps and letting flies eat their heads to death. That is right. that's not hyperbole. That's exactly the experiments that he was doing recently. You know what I mean? Like, it, this is these, it, these people do shit that literally we can't wrap our, head, our heads around. So, like, we, we have to almost like reject it because, like, oh, that has to be hyperbole. That has to be you exaggerating. That has to you be you, uh, being a fanatic or conspiracy theorist and it works so well they've learned now that oh this is how we do shit we do shit so brazen and so out in the open and so insane that nobody will fucking believe it yeah yeah no it's uh, you know it's um the cover-up is 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 deep and vast and it's very simple it's like we're going to prosecute Trump. We're not going to prosecute. We're going to prosecute everything Trump. We're not going to prosecute anything Biden. That's basically what it comes down to. It's basically what it comes down to. They just, Biden controls the Justice Department and they're not going to embarrass him by putting his son in jail while he's president. Now, on top of that, put his son in jail while he's president in an election cycle, right, where he's running for president again, right? Let's put it this way. If if, If they did what they should do, right, if they follow the letter of the law and they put a Hunter Biden in jail, that would pretty much probably 
I mean, Joe Biden's already in the dumps. His approval is like 36. No one wants him to run again. He's going to be 82. That would be the final nail in his coffin. If his son went to jail now, he would probably not even be able to run for president again. Do you think they're going to do that? What's the chances they're going to do that? Well, here's the thing. I I honestly believe that that scenario did basically play out in 2020, you know, and and, and that they that the reason why that they censored the New York Post story uh, uh, um, everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, you know, everywhere, you know, Pinterest, MySpace, everywhere. You couldn't post that the Hunter Biden laptop story. But right before the election in 2020, this 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 exact same thing that you're talking about here now is that they knew that if Hunter Biden went down for all the shit on his thing and also revealing the the dealings that now we're looking at now with the, with the Chinese and whatnot, and also the Ukrainians too as well. You know what I mean? This is the same sort of kind of peddling of influence that, that, that he did with Burisma and so on and so forth mm-hmm. as well. And if all this stuff had come out in 2020, then they definitely would have, you know, he or he, I'm sorry, he definitely would have tanked by the election for Biden in 2020. Sure. So for me, what I'm looking at this now is I'm hearing all this kind of stuff, and I'm hearing what you're saying, and the concerns that you have. I'm going, fucking fuck, they're going to pull out all the stops again. Why wouldn't they? They got away with it last time. Right. You know what I mean, like we're we're hearing like, you know, because I knew a lot of like you know that like 1,000 mules or 10,000 mules or whatever that stupid documentary by. Dinesh D'Souza, you know, I saw, I saw that, I watched it, I'm like, eh, that's stupid. But then, you know, later on, you kind of find out there are some weird things. And then uh, it was about three weeks, three or four weeks ago, we heard that one thing where you're like, oh, we found, you know, 20, 10, 20,000 ballots in a, in a, in a, 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 in a storage unit. I forget what right. fucking state that was. I don't know. I don't know if you saw that story. And I'm like, wait, what? And you're like, yeah, we found some 20, some 2020 ballots in a fucking storage unit and oopsie, we didn't realize we misplaced them there. And I'm right. like, wait, wait, why are we hearing this shit? You know what I mean? And then we, we, we already know that the, uh, uh, the machines can be hacked Yep. because anybody that's a tech junkie has watched, uh, um, you know, like, a any, I forget what it's called. Like, um, the, the hacker con, yeah, or whatever, yeah. whatever you know they, they they show they i watched the video it's a fucking 14 year old girl 14 15 year old girl it takes her like two or three minutes to get into a fucking one of those the dominion or the d-bold yeah uh, uh voting machines and she's like here you go and she hacks it in just a couple minutes it's a fucking teenage girl yeah you know what i mean so we know all this kind of stuff is susceptible we we know that they they do keep saying like oh some ballots did go missing and, and all this kind of stuff like I don't necessarily believe all of the crazy stuff that you know that, that I've seen like in some of those like I said that that Dinesh D'Souza thing but to me it also doesn't seem like it's fully on the up and up and right. at this point they're, they're they're more concerned about keeping a a, a a mindless puppet a demented old man that's yeah but he's the, easy to control man. He's easy to control. It's elder abuse at this point. It's like Who, who's like who's easier to control, Biden or DeSantis? It's not even cl- it's not even close. In fact, Trump is easier to you know to uh, manipulate than DeSantis. But Biden's the easiest because his his cognitive abilities are shot, right? Yeah. So he doesn't even know. 
what's going on. He has no clue. I mean, he's a he's a, he's the the textbook. That his fucking son was killed in fuck his. He just said he was killed in Iraq again. He's the textbook definition. Yeah, he's the textbook definition of a puppet. There's no doubt about it, and they enjoy that. They totally enjoy that. You know, so that that's the whole point of this is that they want to keep the puppet there for as long as possible. That's what they want to do, right? And um. You know, with Biden, it's either he's either lying about things like take his son dying in Iraq. He's either simply lying about that or he's totally his shot. Right. His cognitive abilities are shot. And he actually thinks he was killed in Iraq. Either way, we have a problem. Right. Exactly. <laughs> either way, we have it. We have an issue, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to say that it's probably the fact that he has Alzheimer's. I don't think he knows it's so easily fact-checked, right? Something like that is so easily fact-checked that why would he say it, you know? So I think he's just shot. I think he thinks his son died in Iraq. And that's, that's frightening. Doesn't that make it worse? Doesn't that, then that means the people that are around him, his family members, his staff, they're all engaging in elder abuse. Well, we saw that with uh, we see it with Biden, and we saw it with Fetterman, right? That's abusive. Also, Diane Feinstein is the other classic one right now because they got her wheeling in in a fucking wheelchair. That's another one. Yeah, this is that's textbook. She didn't even know that she'd been absent for like three or four months, and they're like, "Hey, welcome back, Diane Feinstein." She's like, "What are you talking about? I've been here the whole time." They're like, "No, you've been gone for like three or four months." She's like, "No, I haven't." Yeah. Fucking this old bat in the fucking chair was arguing with her own staff and the cameras around her, pretending like no, I I have. It's like no, dude. We all know that you haven't been here, you crazy old lady. And You're the only person that doesn't know where the fuck you are. Yeah, and you know who's you know who's her you know who's her main handler. You ready for this? Diane Feinstein's main handler is Nancy Pelosi's daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. So Nancy Pelosi is again like she's got all her fucking fingers throughout the whole fucking DNC. She's controlling that seat and she wants to try to fucking save it for fucking Adam fucking shit Schiff. Yeah. The, the most <laughs> biggest fucking Russiagate liar yep. of all of the fucking politicians. Yeah. Exactly. And, and this is the kind of bullshit that we have to I have to deal with here in California. You know what I mean? It's, you. It's, Me it's, too. It's the worst legacy kind of bullshit. Right. You know, it's terrible. It's, you know, it's a, it's very sad, but they can get away with it because they have the media on their side. They have 90% of the media on their side. You know, that's why they can get away with this stuff. If it was Trump's son with this Biden stuff, it was Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump. Forget it. Oh, Forget they'd it. Lighting, they'd be lighting them on fire. Of course. Absolutely. And they'd be Absolutely. Ratings and they'd love the, not only would they, not only would they, would they glad to be doing it, they'd be so happy that they'd get big and huge bumps and ratings. Yeah. You know, and, and and then when they try to play some clips of Hunter Biden on Fox News, they're like, "Oh, Marma, why why are you guys?" You know what I mean? Like they 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 look their nose down at it. But you're hundred percent right. If it was Trump Jr., they would gladly. If it was Trump Jr. smoking crack, whatever, they would gladly play those pictures. Right. As much as they try to stick their nose, uh, you know, look down their nose at, at at some of those other sites like ONN or Newsmax or whatever that do play some of the clips of Hunter Biden smoking crack and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No, could you imagine videos of, of like, like where's, the, where's, the, where's the news object objectivity? We're not even playing that game anymore. We're not even. Can you imagine like videos that. of Eric Trump or Don Trump Jr. doing crack? Could you imagine yeah. that? I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, it would be twenty four seven, three sixty five on CNN, MSNBC, PBS. I mean, they would be constantly showing it. It's 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 rare, if ever, that you'll see one of those videos on. On a, on CNN or MSNBC, have they ever shown a video of him doing crack? I doubt it. I no, doubt I mean, it. You know, you know what my forty year old friends say because I'm forty. You know the rest of my forty year old friends say they go like, "Oh man, the the rights just fucking they just they just care about fucking dick pics off of fucking Hunter Biden's phone." Uh, why are you guys obsessed about dick pics of Hunter Biden? I'm sure he'd be saying the same thing if it was Trump's son. The exact same yeah. thing. Yeah, but you know, you know what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm like, I don't care. I know that there's dick pics on his phone. I didn't look at the dick pics. I just saw the videos of him smoking crack with a bunch of girls next to him that looked kind of fucking underage. Yep, I've seen a lot of videos with a lot of girls with Hunter Biden smiling and da 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 and weighing out crack and smoking crack and 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 drinking. And there's these girls around him that most of the time look like of age hookers, but some of them you're like, that chick looks like she's like fucking fourteen. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of those. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and yet, for some reason, whenever I say that to my fucking liberal friends, they go, oh, okay, well, cool. So, yeah, a bunch of a bunch of dick pics leaked from Hunter Biden's phone. I'm supposed to care about that. I'm still going to vote for Biden. And I'm like, are you fucking – I'm not just talking about dick pics. And that, that's – they just – it's like they gloss over that I just told them, what about him – with his dick out next to a 14-year-old girl. That doesn't matter to you? And you're like, but this oh, is yeah. not about Hunter Biden. This is about Joe Biden. Yeah. It all reflects on Joe Biden. But the the fact of the matter is, and Biden has lied about all this. He's lied about knowing about any of this stuff, right? I mean, yeah. when a father says with a straight face, no, I've never talked to my son about their, his business. Come on. Give me a break. No. Yeah. Give me a break. It's so ridiculous. No. And now we have a tweet that this is, I mean... A guy named Shapley, who oversaw the whole IRS probe into uh, Hunter, um, said the IRS obtained this uh, WhatsApp message. This was July 30th of, nine, of 2017. I, 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 I mentioned this. I, I read the tweet earlier in the show, but I want to repeat it again. So this was from Hunter Biden on July 30th, 2017, to Henry Zhao, who the New York Post previously reported as a Chinese Communist Party official and CEO of Harvest Fund Management. I am sitting here with my father, and we'd like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight, Hunter wrote. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I'll make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold the grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Shapley testified that communications like that message made it clear we needed to search the guest house at the Biden's Delaware residence where Hunter Biden stayed for a time. However, Shipley testified that United Assistant United States Attorney in Delaware, Leslie Wolf, told him optics were a driving factor in the decision on whether to execute a search warrant. She said a lot of evidence in our investigation we found in the guest house of former VP Biden, but said there's no way we'll get that approved, Shapley testified, right? 
Once again, there it is, selective justice. No, they'll never get a warrant, right, to go into the current president's uh, house in Delaware, right? No, they, 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 went, they, went, they went into to Hunter's thing, but did you hear the, 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 the leak that's the, the buzz, the hubbub, is that they tipped him off? Right. Before this recent raid where they went to, to look for this stuff, they actually gave Hunter almost half day or a day to go right. through his shit. And we're talking about Hunter Biden not paying taxes on like, what, $8 million? Millions of dollars. How is that a misdemeanor? And, and acting as a foreign agent. And act as a foreign agent. How are those misdemeanor? How are those misdemeanors? Well, misdemeanor. Of course not. Of course they're not misdemeanors. Yes. I mean, me, so, me and you would be stuck in a hole somewhere with, where we'd never see the light of day right now. We wouldn't even get a trial. If, if, if you or I did this right now, like they wouldn't even give us a trial. We'd be sitting in a fucking cell somewhere because they can do the not you, the habeas corpus was fucking repealed under uh, Barack Obama. So they can right. just say that you're fucking domestic terrorist and they can put you in a hole somewhere and that's it. Yeah. And, and people exactly. say, oh, you're crazy. You're, you're a conspiracy theorist. That's a nut. I'm not fucking kidding. You, 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 you know what I'm talking about, right? Has one person in the media, I haven't been following it this closely the last couple of days. Has one person in the media asked Joe Biden directly about that tweet, about him sitting there with his son as his son threatened people? Did, did, has they anyone? Did, they did, I did. I did see two. I saw two brief, brief clips where he was giving a short remark, and then he walked out immediately. And they did try to shout that question at him, and he ignored it. And then there was another spokes guy that was taking a question from a reporter, and then he, the, the reporter started asking him the question about that thing, and he walked out in the middle. He he took the the reporter's question. I forget, I forget what the the name of the dildo <laughs> that was. He took the question. The guy started asking him about this question, and then he just walked out from the press conference in the middle of him asking the question about this that text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're 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 doing radio silence on it right now. Yeah, of course, of course, no doubt about it. And they would accept. I'm sure they'd accept that if Trump did the same thing. Get away with it. Yeah, of course not. It's look. It once again, the media can control so much narrative that when you know. You have the media on your side. You've you've got a lot. When you've got the media, 90% of the media on your side, you can get away with bloody murder. You can. And it's not just politics. It's everything, right? It's if you're in um, sports and the media likes you, right? If you're a manager or if you're – it could be anything from top to bottom. It can be the biggest thing to the smallest thing. If you've got the media on your side, you're in like Flynn, Okay. And if you don't, you're in trouble, right? And so you got a guy like Biden who's got 90% of the media on his side. You got Trump who's got 90% of the media who's against him. And that's a whole that's a whole different story right there. That's a whole different story right there. They could be equally corrupt. And when you've got that media on your side, you're gonna get away with everything. And that's what happens. That's where we are. That's why I've said many times there's no journalistic integrity anymore. There's no real journalists. Come on. Go back to the 70s with, uh, you know, uh, uh, with Watergate and Nixon and the Washington Post and those guys. And real journalists would be salivating over stuff like this, right? Real journalists would would be salivating. They want to win the Pulitzer. But now these these, these people don't care. They don't care. Outside of a few of them, right? Like, Like Peter Ducey. Maybe one here and there. They don't. They, they they're not real journalists. They are political activists, and they're there to get their people elected. 
That's all they care about. Well, the thing was funny that is that uh, I think it might have been uh, I think it was Chris Hedges was talking about in an interview how uh, um, you know uh, quite a while ago around the same time that you're talking about in the '70s and whatnot, especially the you know '60s Walter Conkright and that kind of thing. Uh, uh, um, they were big celebrities like those kind of guys like Walter Conkright and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. But the average news person was a blue collar worker. You know, what right. I mean? if you if you worked in the news or you were a reporter for a local news station or a newspaper or stuff like that, that wasn't looked at as an elite job. And then as as the uh, um, you know as the system tried to incorporate more and more of the media into their thing, that became more of a thing where you wanted the elite people to go to uh, 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 into the news thing. So it used to be for a long time, like you were an average Joe, you were a working guy, so you related to the working, to the average individual. And now, as far as I know, I bel- if I, I forget exactly, it's something stupid like Stanford or something like that, but basically every single solitary major reporter at the New York Times has all graduated from Stanford or whatever it is, or right. Yale or, or Yale or whatever. I forget exactly, you know what I mean? But it's one, it's, it's all one specific college and it's very elite. And all of these people now come from elite families. Mm-hmm. They come from wealthy uh, uh, millionaires and billionaires families. And they, they don't come from the average working people anymore. And most right. local newspapers and, and local investigative reporters, those are all been eliminated everywhere. Right. You know what I mean? So the, the, the last people that we see in the mainstream media, they all come specifically from these very elite colleges. They come from these very elite families mm-hmm. and they're insulated from the average working fellows like the rest of us. And they, they have, so they have no idea that the, the world that, that, that they're, that they're reporting on. They really don't. They really actually don't. That's why it's so disconnected. That's why it literally makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Because these individuals don't, they don't, they never grew up in the real world. Right. They had everything handed to them. And they went to the most elite colleges that they didn't have to pay for. They don't have college debt like I do. They're not fucking drowning, you know, in tens of thousands of dollars of college debt. And, 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 and then they want to sit there and constantly talk to us and tell us like, here's what you have to do. And I think that everybody's just kind of fucking sick of this shit now at this point that these people are so fucking disconnected that not only are you just mouthpieces for corporations in the, in the military industrial complex, but you don't even have any connection to, to, to the average Joe. Right. Right. It's true. It's a hundred percent true, you know, and look, I, I don't know how this Hunter thing is going to play out. I think, I think in, in general, this will end up hurting Joe Biden regardless. I think this will end up once again, it's not like, he's got like an approval rating of like 55 or 60 and this isn't going to hurt him that much. I think was approval being so low and his age and people not wanting him to run that anything is going to be bad for him. Right. Any kind of this kind of negative press around him and his son and his son's business dealings is just going to hurt him even more. So I don't think he can afford to take a hit like this. And even if they try to cover up for him, I still think this is really going to hurt him badly um and so regardless i don't think they're going to be able to maybe i'm being too optimistic but i don't think they're going to be able to protect him on this not like they did in 2020 he wasn't president yet right that was an anti-trump election right this is going to be an anti-biden election 
So it's a big difference. It's a it's a it's a total it's a totally big difference. And I don't think the media is going to be able to protect him anymore. Is your is your family better off? Mine's not. No, oh, you mean than four years ago? Yeah. No, I'm no Trump supporter, but there's no doubt about the end. The answer is no. Yeah, no. I mean, totally. I'm not definitely. I, I, I've been a lefty my whole life. Yeah. And, and people will say that, like, when I tell them, like, Biden's worse than Trump, they look at me like I literally just took a shit in their cereal. And yeah. I'm like, no, like, objectively, Biden, Biden's been there for 40 years. Trump was there for four years. Like, do you really think that that that, that Ding Dong did more damage in four years than Biden did? In 40 years, not to mention the fact that Biden deported more uh, 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 immigrants in the first two years of his presidency than than, than Trump did in, in the four years. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And, and he, yeah. he continued to actually build the wall that Trump that started to 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 work on during his presidency. Biden continued to work on that wall. Uh, the, the kids in cages that everybody was complaining about under Trump. Not only did, did Biden not close those kids in cages when he got there, he built more child detention facilities, as they love to fucking call them. Mm-hmm. For some reason, we all call them kids in cages when Trump was in office. But yep. now we go look at that. Where's AOC fucking crying? There's more of them. There's more of them in kids in cages than there were under Trump. Yeah. Biden's deporting more, but where the fuck is her tears? Where is she crying for that fucking photo op there at the thing at the gates, holding the gate, going, oh, my God. Yeah, I was saying that the, the way the Democrats like to use language um, in their favor, like they call gender affirming care, when they call child mutilation gender affirming care, maybe that's that's what they want to call immigration now. The kids in cages, they should call it like immigrant affirmation. You know, it's like it sounds like a great thing. It sounds like a fun thing. Right? Yeah, we've got we've gotten to that level, Mike. Uh, sorry to yell at you, brother, but uh, thanks for taking. You don't yell at me. It's fine. I yell all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm constantly angry. I'm always, I'm always angry at something, you know. But there's always something to be angry about, Sierra. Yeah, no, as as my as my brother as my brother has always said, if you're not depressed, then you're not paying attention. Exactly, I like that. If you're not depressed, you're not paying attention. Cr, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful evening. You too, man. Have a good weekend. Yeah, um, actually. Uh, Rob Schneider was on talking about sayings. Rob Schneider was on Jimmy Dore and he said something very funny. He said, just because you're against the COVID vaccine doesn't mean you're anti-vax, anti-vaxxer. That's like a woman who has a problem with one man is anti-dick, which is not true. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> Those anti-dickers. <laughs> anti-dickers. Oh my goodness. Um, was I going to go to something else? Maybe we'll just go to Bill. And uh, I do want to play some Trump clips, some DeSantis clips, uh, but I do want to talk to Bill. Bill, so I'm sure you want to talk a little bit about the Hunter Biden stuff, right? Give him the old razzle, dazzle, <laughs> razzle, dazzle. Yeah. Oh, my God. But that let me tell you that that Titanic implosion thing is some kind of razzle, dazzle. It's not my kind of razzle, dazzle. I wouldn't want to. Would you go in a fucking little shit, shitty tube like that? all the way down to the bottom of the sea. Would you do something like that, Bill? I, Mike, you're going to think I'm nuts, and that's okay, because everybody thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> the state made sure of that. Um, I don't buy it at all. 
I think it's just another predictive programming distraction. I, I, those people are probably still alive somewhere. You might well, think I'm nuts. I, I don't but, know if I believe that. You know why? Well, well, well let, let me finish. People, wealthy people have nothing okay. better to do with their money sometimes. No, nah, you know? I don't believe it. You know, you, you, listen, just remember George Carlin's first rule. Never trust anything your government tells you or what's coming through the media. It's all a big show. Let, let's, let me get back to Trump for a second. They, the media made Trump what he is. Let's face it. Trump has always been a thief, a con artist, uh, brought up with thieves, rubbing elbows in the uh, casino business, hotel business, where the mafia has always been kingpin. I mean, come on. He's, he's a crook. He's always been a crook. And the fact that he somehow ever was then somehow metamorphized into some type of uh, savior that's going to help the middle class is all more same bullshit. They, it's just this, this two step that goes back and forth between the Republican Democratic Party. Before that, it was Obama, you know, hope and change. It's going to bring, you know, justice to the people. It's, it's, yeah. it's all propaganda. It just goes back well, and forth, uh, back and it's forth. Slogans. It's hope and change. That's, it's it's, make America great again, right? Yeah, but let's, let's be honest. We, we talked about this. You're absolutely right. I mean, to cut you off. Go ahead. I, I, no, I'm I saying it's all about slogans and PR. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because the bottom line is <clears throat> who, who's behind them in their cabinet? Oh yeah, all those council foreign relation, trilateral commission members, uh, you know, the globalists, the banksters, uh, just remember when the, uh, FOIA requests came out on, and uh, Chase Morgan uh, really pretty much selecting um, Obama's cabinet. You know, <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's right. Who will the banksters really make the choices? It's really not the banksters. The banksters are money managers. That's all they are. They have a lot of power, like Larry Fink, because he's in the. But he's a puppet for the. Whose money is he managing? That's where right. we got to go to. Right. That that's who's calling the shots. You know, there's a guy, Dr. John Coleman. Professor Dr. John Coleman, right? He's former British intelligence. He writes a book called The Committee of 300. Mm -hmm. And that's where you start to get down to, you know, the, the big, big money that's been around for generations and how they interbreed and keep it tight, you know, within their selective group. Those are people who are really calling the shots. And, you know, what, who do they, who are they? They're, they're, they're the, the kingpins of the Italian mafia, the Kazarian Jewish mafia, um, the uh, uh, Switzerland uh, banking mafia. You know, the Bank of International Settlements is in Switzerland for a reason. <laughs> you know, right. I mean? so that and and those family names. To be honest with you, I don't retain them, and I'll tell you why. Because I just go by Ephesians six twelve through thirteen. And people who are atheists hate when I quote the Gospels, but I think there's a lot of truth there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what that is the battle is not against the flesh and blood; it's against the principalities and powers of the rulers of the darkness of this world, the spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, put on the full armor of God, so in the midst of the battle you may stand. So in the end. You will stand. So the bodies come and go. It's not about them. It's just spiritual warfare. That's yeah. the way I see it. Good versus evil. You know, the seven deadly sins versus seven virtues. And this is the eternal battle that goes round and round in human civilizations over and over and over again, the rise and fall of civilizations. You know, so I don't know. Are you, are you ever check into like the, um, 
emerald tablets of Toth, or you go way back to Sumerian times and before that, uh, the younger Dryas, the uh, Randall Carlson and uh, Graham, I forget Graham's last name. But th there's a lot of evidence that uh, human civilizations is much, much, much older than traditional Egyptologists uh, have have believed. And, uh, you know, this this whole idea of, of uh, good and evil rising through cycles uh, on the planet. So the humans, I mean, let's put it in simple terms. So we have a place to reincarnate to, like a school. We come in and, uh, you know, we could be uh, anywhere in the civilization, uh, functioning or dysfunctional at any degree. And it's all for us to learn lessons. Like, you know what, let's go back to... Um, I'm thinking of the movie we just talked about, uh, um, Groundhog Day. Uh -huh. You see, for the soul. And so we learn lessons, our souls learn lessons over time. And, and, the, and one lifetime is symbolic. It, 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 it means the eternity of the soul, in my opinion. And meaning there is no death to the soul. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea that we live one, uh, maybe whatever, some portion of a hundred years and either we burn for eternity in hell or, or we don't, I don't believe that at all. I think it's all about reincarnating over and over again to work through various life forms even and various levels of consciousness in order to, to become more um, Christ-like, to become more uh, compassionate, to become more loving, to right. realize it's not about the things of this world, the toys, you know, the Elon Musk of this world. You know, do you hear what Elon said? He said, well, he said, if doing what I'm doing is going to land me in hell, that's fine with me because that's where the majority of the people are going to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay, if, you know, whatever. But, you know, uh, uh, I just see things a little differently. Obviously, I've made a lot of choices in my life that, that have landed me where I am. I, 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 and, and I knew that I was going to be retaliated against. You don't fight the Catholic Church, you, you know, write a lawsuit like me as a pro se litigant after you get a, a criminal case dropped with the Christian Counseling Center of St. Paul's and you don't write a lawsuit to sue the city of Shelton and go after the cops and, and St. Paul's Christian Counseling Center without knowing you're going to be retaliated against, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they're going to fight back, yeah, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what it comes down to. They're just, it's going yeah. to happen. Do you know, do you have any opinion? I, I was wondering, mm. uh, do you have any opinion on what's happening in Russia right now? Or do you have any knowledge well, of exactly what's happening in Russia I, you know, right now? For that, my, my go-tos are Colonel McGregor and Scott Ritter. Um, mm. Scott Ritter is was a Marine who was a U.S., uh, I'm a U.N. weapons inspector, um, who told us there was no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And, uh, he was pretty much silenced by the Congress and Biden at the time. Um, you know, uh, the, obviously, I, I have some real questions on both sides there because we talked about the World Economic Forum. Well, Putin, uh, as, as Klaus Schwab made sure we knew it, it's my young global leaders, Putin. And uh, Putin was one of his first, first graduates mm -hmm. of the Young Global Leaders Program. And it doesn't mean that he stayed loyal to them. But I would go, sometimes I wonder, if you take like the 30,000-foot look in on things, 
And if you know, like you and your friend discuss where the world economic form is going to have a great reset first, you have to destroy everything. Right. Well, you need, if you need a good, you need a villain and a good guy. You need a battle. And if no, what bigger battle than the, you know, the big br- black brown beer versus the United States, you know, the eternal battle or China to destabilize everything right. to, to do exactly what's going on. We're, we're now, uh, you know, inflation, supply chain shortages, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's hyperinflation really. And, um, uh, cutting of budgets and where, where people need fundamental uh, access to healthcare, you know, and, uh, and, uh, EBT, uh, like 30 million people, they're, they're EBT, meaning what used to be called food stamps. Their EBT was slashed recently, dramatically. Um, you know, uh, at a time when Walmart reports that their dry goods have gone up 20% in the last two years. You know? Yeah, well, yeah. also, the money they gave for EBT even before was ridiculous. Oh, it's, it's ridiculously low. Could, you can't live, live on, on that. No. No, no, that, I told you I get 61 a month. I mean, who can live on that? Nobody can. So, uh, and not to mention the minimum SSDI I get, uh, it, it creeps up. I don't remember what it's at today. I don't even check it. It creeps up. It was 760 when I got it in, uh, after my hearing January 9th, 2020. I think it's up to like 840 something a month, right. which barely covers the rent here and, and then there wouldn't be enough between the car insurance, not that I'm driving because I got my hips on still, but I still have to keep my car insured because parked on the street, you know right. what I mean? And registered and, um, and, you know, a phone and then, uh, you know, to, to buy food. So my brother helps out. And then, you know, you mentioned if I end up on the street or out, I, I find some way. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, um, where I am right now, Mike, just as one person who's disabled, I am housebound, stuck on the second floor. I've been up here five years. I used to be able to get up and down the stairs when I moved in. I can no longer do that. And I haven't taken a shower in five years because I can't get my leg over the tub. There is no disability housing available for me. Why? Because they have so few units available that there's a waiting list that people tell me that, you know, people have said who I knew in housing, two things. One, you could be on that waiting list five, eight years. You know, number one, uh, because I'm on the federal list because my my SSDI is so low. If I got more SSDI, I could be on the state and federal list. I don't know why they have a cutoff, but they do. Number one, um, and uh, on top of that, I I how else can I put it? I I am isolated here. I mean, can you imagine being able to only go between your one room and the bathroom on two canes and back? For I've been stuck here like this for since before the pandemic, where a pandemic started, where I can't get outside, I can't get safely get up and down. I'm at a high risk of a catastrophic health event trying to get up and down the steps. I don't mean to make this about me, but no, what, I, what I'm saying is this is the reality of one person. And there are mm. others in your situation. That's too. I'm emblematic, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so the infrastructure hasn't been built. The money's been diverted. They call it encumbered, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. If you study this, encumbered. Yeah, it's, it's, they, it's encumbered. just like the okay. Smith Month Modernization Act. It's all word salad. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> that's what it sounds, like. It sounds like yeah. word salad. 
Yeah, you know, encumbered. What, what, well, basically, they chose not to build the units. So there's this extended waiting list. Um, and uh, even just to get a hearing, like I said, it can take us several years. And a lot of people die in the interim or commit suicide. They resort to opiates and drugs and trying to escape. And, uh, you know, um, there was another point I was going to make, but I forgot it. I'm having a, a senior moment here, so we'll keep talking. But I, there was another point I wanted to make. We're going to call it a bided moment. You know, this has happened to me more and more often. I think, uh, you know, I, I I decided as long as I can keep thinking, I'm going to keep talking to Mike because this is like kind of like doing a puzzle, like like you know, <laughs> keeping my brain sharp. Is that what this is? This is like this a is positive, a playing puzzle. Yeah. If, if, yeah, I tell you. I gotta, I gotta some way, somehow get a message to David Sachs for me. Tell me, help him keeping my brain functioning. See, there you go. Well, Where well, is I'm, David Sachs? Where is it? I feel like that yeah. the song, Car 54. Remember Car 54? Car 54, where mm. are you? David Sachs, where are you? <laughs> is he still here? Is he still, is he still part of this whole thing? I think so. I think he's supposed to be as it goes to rumble, isn't he? They, didn't I read somewhere when the press release first came out that he was, um, Going to somehow be in a, a, a administration. On the board of Rumble type, yes. Or yeah, Rumble. something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. But what are the, the question is, like, what are they going to do with this? Um, maybe you have some inside scoop. Uh, I have no insights. I, I don't know what they're doing. I have no clue. I'm in the dark here, Bill. I don't know. I think they're, they're either just going to keep it as it is and maybe advertise it a little bit and try to pump it up a little bit, maybe yeah. monetize things. Or they're going to try to make this like um, video, you know, like the, maybe that's part of that. They're beta testing with the video. They right. want to make this like they want to make it like a, uh, <clears throat> you know, like a, a the same the same a concept of of podcasts and, and calls, mm. but with video, like Rumble. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm sure they are because uh, I I got notification there was a video option for me, you know, but I chose not. To, there's no reason for me to do that. I mean, no, me too. Uh, yeah. I, I don't want to be on video. If if they're gonna put me on video, they're gonna have to give me a makeup person <laughs> because someone to do my hair. Because yeah, yeah. I'm not, there's no way. If I go on camera, I want to look like the way they do on television. That's it. Otherwise, I'm not going on camera. Yeah, well, for me, I'm in bed a lot, laying down, talking on the phone. So you know, <laughs> it's very it's relaxing. Just, it's a very relaxed way to look. <laughs> it's because my only reason is because my hips are so screwed up. It's the only place I can get comfortable temporarily. Sitting up yeah. is worse. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. This is this now. I, for anyone listening out there, if you haven't heard me say this before, play, 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 but play piano. Don't play football. <laughs> If your kids are out there, well, they can play football. Yeah. Oh, my or God. A lot of things you can play other than football. Tennis, yeah, golf, yeah. baseball, a lot of stuff that you can play. Yes. It doesn't have the wear and tear on your body. That Even hockey. it doesn't. Football has the worst. As you, I don't have to tell you. you know, yeah. The worst yeah, that's true. Hockey is a pretty brutal sport, though. They get a lot of steam built up, and they're racking one another. I thought they probably – I don't watch hockey anymore. Did, did, have they um, – Kind of made it a little safer for the players, where they're not high sticking as much. And oh, and, much safer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't have hot. Well, even in football, you can't do head hits anymore, right? You can't target yeah. the head. You know. Right. So it's the same thing. They. I think they're trying to make all these contact sports safer now. You know, right. especially when it comes to head injuries, they're very, they're very aware of all the concussions right. and the long term effects. 
people have from getting hit in the head so many times. Yeah. You know, so they try to make it safer that way. But you still, your body, you can't get away from it in hockey and football. Your body is going to take yeah. a beating, you know? Oh, so, yeah, big time. Yeah, especially Leave football the old... more. Because mm -hmm. hockey, you know, if you're very fast, it's hard to hit players that are very fast. So a lot of players who are very right. skilled and fast, like Gretzky, Messier, they very rarely got hit. They're so fast and strong that it was impossible to hit them. But with uh, football, it's constant, right? And it's constant well, contact. Well, the worst, you know, uh, yeah, especially the linemen, because we're constantly, every play, we're hitting somebody. You know, mm -hmm. wide receivers, a lot of times there's a little bump and run, or, you know, sometimes if they're offside of the play, there's very little happening. They do get rocked occasionally, but it's really the linemen that uh, end up. Well, that, you know, the average life expectancy, not career, the life expectancy of an NFL lineman is 55 years. Wow. De yes, death. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Jeez, is that good. right? Only 55? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. 12 of the guys I play with are dead already. I'm only 62. Jesus. From college. That doesn't count the NFL. People who, when I was in camp with the Patriots who have died, you know. Right. So That's that's crazy. That yeah. really is. That's oh, just, yeah. You know. Just a lot of reasons why parents don't want their kids to play football. You know, I, but look, we mm. live in a country in America where that is the sport, right? It is the American sport, football. Middle America, down south, it's everything, right? Kids yeah, the sad thing is, okay, like at URI, we went to the NCAA quarterfinals in uh, 82. Uh, let me think now. 82, 83, I graduated. Uh, it was 81, 81. And then the 82 team, if, well, I, I was a little frustrated with the coaching and the play calling, but we could have gone between the tackles on anybody. Even when we went down to Virginia Tech, which was a Division One school, we played in front of 50,000 people. Between the tackles, they couldn't stop us. We were just, like I said, most of the guys were all juiced up at everywhere they were. And uh, I was a peanut on the line at 6'1", uh, 245. The right tackle was All-American. Richie was 6'7", 320. The center was 290. John Ellis, 6'5". Mm. You know what I mean? And then the left guard was, Larry was 285. And between the tackles, we were unstoppable. And uh, I could hold my own up the middle. But I was, we had a rollout offense like Flutie. So I was a pulling guard. And our mm -hmm. quarterback was like Flutie, a right-hander. So that's why they needed me there. And and I, I used to be able to, uh, run, jump, and dance, Mike. I even had rhythm back in the day. You know really? what I mean? Oh, yeah. Tap dance even. Oh, yeah. I was a good dancer. So I had good feet. So I can get out around and, and, uh, I could, you know, chase down even cornerbacks or linebackers. And so I got scouted my junior year by the Colts and the Steelers. And, and a guy I roomed with who was a grad assistant, Joe Vidella, said to me, uh, you know, the, they, the scouts have been talking to Griffin, our head coach. Uh, they want you to play fullback. They think you have an opportunity for a career in the NFL at fullback. But we were loaded at fullback, and there wasn't really anybody who was as good at what I was doing as starting right guard. And so Griffin just said to me, he said, you know, Bill, I need you where you're at. And I said, right. yeah, I get it. I even started defensive tackle, left side defensive tackle, strong side defensive tackle, and held my own in that league against – uh, offensive tackles that are as big as Richie. And I went up against Richie a lot in practice. Uh, 
he got signed by the Redskins and he was drafted, but it was uh, kind of like the movie uh, Defending Your Life. Uh, he bought a new car and on the way home, uh, he died, apparently, just like in the movie. Remember Rip Torn and Albert Brooks and Meryl yes. Streep at Defending Your Life? Richie died the same way. Apparently, he was reaching for a cassette deck tape or something and he went off the road and he died in his new Z28 or something he got when he signed in the NFL. Or, wow. And yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, so, you know, uh, a lot of cocaine, uh, crystal. I wasn't into any of that, but the guys were doing steroids, growth hormone, cocaine, and crystal for the game, a lot in cocaine and speed. I mean, it was a chemical warfare, you know, and things haven't changed. It's, it's, it's the same. They just, it's all PR that they fixed it somehow. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit because, sure. yeah. you know, a bigger, faster, a stronger sells tickets. You know, who's won the Tour de France uh, since Lance Armstrong was blackballed? Exactly. You know, we, we don't even know. Not to mention, he, he took the fall, but everybody was doing that. Yep. He, you know, and why he took the fall, somebody had to be a sacrificial lamb when, you know, suppose this new consciousness came up. But Flo, Flojo, remember Flojo with her long fingernails, Florence yep. Griffin Joyner? Mm -hmm. She died in her late 30s of congestive heart failure. That's, That's a right, quick. That's from that. steroid use. Do you know yep. the inside scoop on that one? No. But the the bodybuilding trade magazines were kind of tell the story, you know, at the time. You know, internet mm -hmm. wasn't big back really so much, but not like today. So people still had hard copy stuff, like magazines, remember, when, and stuff. So, of course, the, the deal was the long fingernails was the reason the Olympic girls were doing that is because they were putting a clean back of urine up their VJ, oh, and then they puncture that with the long fingernails, and that way they test clean, even though they were using. Oh, you know. my goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus. What people but, go through, huh? To get a little bit well, of an edge. To get a little bit of an edge. Well, it's everywhere. Like, uh, Secretariat, one of the symptoms of, uh, uh, well, that, that horse was all full of, when they, that dog, when that horse passed away and they did an autopsy, the, the heart was hydro, hypertrophy was two and a half times the size of a normal heart yeah. and the, the horse had Cushing's hypertrophy died young at like 17 um, all indications of steroid and performance enhancing drug use of course it's been that way with horses for a long time you know and and uh, when they have a testing program it's all it's all uh, window dressing mm -hmm. you know so uh, that's that's the reality. We talked about that some before. So you end up then, uh, guys, other guys I know, uh, one guy, Pete's been in a wheelchair since his 30s, got divorced, he was miserable. And um, then uh, three of the guys I know have killed themselves, literally, between shooting themselves and hanging themselves. Well, I we've think seen that, that a lot with a lot of athletes with head injuries. They end up committing CTE. suicide, right? Yeah. They end up committing suicide. Yeah. That's yeah, so. They, you know. That's a, that they're very aware of that now. Yeah, yeah. And well, uh, McMahon, uh, he was having all kinds of problems. Remember McMahon, the quarterback from the um, Bears 85 team, like yep. that era? And uh, turns out he, it was BU that was big on first uh, digging into all this Boston University, right? And it turns out he had problems uh, that were related to a a, a vertebrae displacement that was actually impinging on the flow of fluids into his brain, his frontal lobes. And he had a lot of uh, uh, what's necros necrosis because of that. 
Jesus. And uh, yes, and so uh, they solved that. And, uh, you know, then he was, the, the thing about uh, brain trauma, uh, the tau protein that interrupts the, uh, the cellular pathways from the trauma, you develop this tau protein, you know, in the brain and it interrupts the cellular pathways. Um, from, because no matter how good you make the helmet, your brain is still bouncing around inside your skull. You see right. what I mean? Right, right, right. Right? So what they, he was told to do crossword puzzles to help develop redevelop new neural pathways. The brain is interesting. It can do that to some degree. And also, so a lot of people talk about psilocybin mushrooms being very important. Uh, Paul Stamets, uh, a mycologist, talks about that, about how they actually believe that in the progression of evolution, it was the, the, the monkeys who ate the psilocybin mushrooms that became the advanced, uh, you know, primates and, uh, there's a lot of research on that. that, that sure. Definitely. Yeah. Hey, Bill, I wanted to get to yeah. a couple of other quick stories. Now. Oh, 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 oh. So, um, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm probably going to wrap wrap it up pretty soon. But, 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 um, it's good talking to you, as always. Yeah, it was nice to change the stuff a little bit. We get, it was Friday night. I don't to talk too serious. I mean, exactly, we, exactly. Well, not that these aren't now. serious things. Hey, if this is lightening up, Bill, we got to really... <laughs> That's true, but it's I about we, sports. It's, I think maybe you and I need a couple of drinks during the show. <laughs> I'm telling you what, man. When I get my hips done at some point, I'm, I'm going to have to travel around and visit some friends. That's what I think. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. I really is. Maybe I'll meet you down in Florida. We'll go see Joseph Latipo. Yeah, I'd say we go to Florida. Don't come to California. There's no reason. No, reason Bill, thanks for the call. Yeah, good talking to you, Mike. Have a good weekend. Yeah, I'll see you next bye. week. Um. Yeah, it's good to be a little bit lighter. I guess I'm going to make it a little bit, you know, heavier now because what I do want to cover before we get to the film review, which I haven't done in a few weeks, is uh, a new poll is out. This is everyone sit down, sit down. If you're not already sitting, that would be shocking. A new poll is out that shows that almost half of the people in the state of California are considering leaving the state. Half. People are tired of high taxes, high crime, no shit, the war on energy, and much more. So although 70% of Californians enjoy living in the Golden State, about 4 in 10, 40%, say they're now considering moving away, according to a new poll conducted by research firm Strategies 360. The survey, published in partnership with the LA Times and a consortium of nonprofits, showed that financial concerns played a significant role in residents' decision to potentially move elsewhere. Even if folks make the same income as they did even just three years ago, their sense of financial security has fallen dramatically, Ben Winston, a political consultant for Strategy 360, told The Times. <clears throat> Only 28% of households earning between 50 and 100 grand say they can comfortably save for the future. And 17% find it difficult to keep up with bills from month to month, double the rate from a few years ago. Even those who make over a hundred grand are starting to feel squeezed by inflation and a higher cost of living. And just 57% of people from high earning households now say they feel financially comfortable, down from 77% just three years ago. So these numbers are stunning. Stunning numbers. Really, that four in 10 California residents are considering packing up and leaving, right? So that's what, 40 million people, half is 
20 million, I'm not great at math, but what, 15 million people? Upwards of 15 million people are thinking of leaving California. That's just, hey, hey, Gavin, that's real winning, buddy. Real winning, real winning. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is where I live. This, and I'm, I'm part of that 15 million people. I'm part of the 15. I'm, I'm one of the 15 million who are thinking of getting the hell out of here. Getting the hell out of here. Um, <clears throat> a couple of other things. This is just, I'm going to play a quick uh, Trump clip and then a quick uh, DeSantis clip. This is Trump, by the way. Now, I really think one of the reasons why Trump will end up losing this primary is because of his constant uh, pushing of the vaccine, his connection to the vaccine, his refusal. I'm trying trying to cue this up. His refusal to believe that the vaccine was shit. His refusal to admit that his Operation Warp Speed was a disaster and the vaccine has been not just shit, but also harmful. And this is just like a full, once again, we have all of this video footage, all of these uh, public comments that DeSantis is going to be able to use in campaign ads against him and will. And here's basically two straight minutes of Trump saying how wonderful the vaccine is. Shot. The vaccinations are so important. This is really going around now. They have to get their shot. Today we're on the verge of another American medical miracle. This is one of the greatest miracles in the history of modern day medicine. Pfizer and Moderna have announced their vaccine is approximately 95% effective. These vaccines are also very safe. A medical miracle. We have delivered a safe and effective vaccine in just nine months. What we've done is historic. Don't let them take it away. Don't take it away from ourselves. You're playing that. You're playing right into their hands when you sort of like, oh, the vaccine. If you don't want to take it, you shouldn't be forced to take it. No mandates. But take credit because we saved tens of millions of lives. Both the president and I are vaxxed. And uh, did you get the booster? Yes. I got it, too. Okay, so... Um... Oh, don't, 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 don't. Some friends of mine, they wanted to say, I said, don't come tonight. Let's go another time. It's pouring. Woody Johnson, a great gentleman. You ever hear of Johnson and Johnson? He owns the place. I tell you what, this guy's got cash like nobody's got cash. Johnson and Johnson. I came up with a vaccine with three vaccines. All are very, very good. The vaccine is one of the greatest achievements of mankind. And if you take the vaccine, you're protected. Look, the results of the vaccine are very good. And if you do get it, it's a very minor form. People aren't dying when they take the vaccine. I recommend take the vaccines. I did it. It's good. Take the vaccines. But you got, no, that's okay. That's all right. You got your freedoms. But I happen to take the vaccine. If it doesn't work, you'll be the first to know. So there you go. Two minutes of him talking about how great the vaccine is. Kissing Big Farmer's ass, kissing Johnson of Johnson and John, kissing Johnson and Johnson Johnson, saying I have three great shots, and we know the Johnson Johnson vaccine caused blood clots and had to be pulled. So all of this stuff is going to be, as we say, used against him. It won't be in a court of law, but it'll be the court of public opinion when it comes to the campaign, and uh, just hours and hours, just treasure troves of this stuff. I played clips of him yesterday 
talking about how great Ron DeSantis was, what a great job DeSantis did on COVID. And now he's saying DeSantis was horrible on COVID because he's running against him. So it's all the stuff that will end up destroying Donald Trump, right? Like even when he's at his own rallies, as you might have heard in the end, when he mentions the vaccine, they boo him. It's this inability to simply admit being wrong. If he just simply said, think about these people in his cult, all he would really have to say is, uh, they fooled me, right? They said it was going to work. They pumped this up. I had all these doctors. They were all horrible, all horrible doctors telling me this is going to work. It didn't work. And uh, just admit it didn't work. It didn't work. The vaccine didn't work at all. It didn't stop the spread. It didn't stop infections. It didn't stop the, the uh, severity of infections. It didn't stop deaths. It didn't stop anything. It didn't do anything. And of course, has caused so much harm, uh, especially in small children with myocarditis, and and we know the Johnson and Johnson with the blood clots, and and uh, and years and years from now, there'll be more and more side effects and people getting sick and dying from these things. So, it's Trump's inability; his ego just won't allow him to admit it didn't work. In fact, it's one of his greatest accomplishments. He's trying to say, and no one's buying it. Once again, you'll see the 8 to 10% of Republicans in his cult that it doesn't matter what he does. doesn't matter how wrong he was. doesn't matter how much he bullshits and lies. They'll stick with him. But the other 90% are going to slowly but surely abandon him and, uh, and vote for this man. And this is a clip of Ron DeSantis uh, talking. Uh, the Kelly McEnany on Fox interviewed, had a great interview with Ron DeSantis. By the way, Ron DeSantis's interview with Kelly McEnany on Fox was as good as Trump's interview with Brett Baer was horrible. And uh, Newsom, you know, Newsom's been lying. Democrats in general have been lying about book bans in Florida, when basically what they're doing is banning pornography in schools. And the hair joke king of California and others in this party have lied and said that he's a fascist DeSantis who is banning books, when basically what they're doing is banning pornography in schools, okay? And so this is Ron DeSantis, hopefully you can hear this, responding to this uh, ridiculous notion of a book ban. So out in the state of California, you have a chief executive there. Uh, His name's Gavin Newsom, and he has a bit of an obsession with you. Let's roll the tape. In 2021, California had 7.8% of GDP growth in this country, one of the fastest-growing economies anywhere on planet Earth. This state continues to be the tentpole of the American economy. 25.6% of all American jobs came from this state in April. In the last two fiscal years, we enjoyed $177.7 billion in operating surpluses. We're on our way to be the fourth largest economy, eat your heart out, Germany, in the world. Number one in R&D, venture capital, more scientists, researchers, more Nobel laureates, more patents emanating out of this state than any other state in America. With all due respect, Florida doesn't even come close. Eat your heart out, Texas. California continues to be the dominant economic engine for the American I promise you. So he says Florida doesn't come close. What's your response there? Well, I'd say two things. One, we're number one in new business formations, even though we're only 60 percent of the size of California. We have new, more business formations here. We have way less tax, way less debt. We have one of the lowest tax and debt burdens in the entire country. We have led amongst all big states since COVID in economic growth. 
Our unemployment rate's 2.6%. California's is over 4%. And here's the proof in the pudding, Kaylee. For decades in this country, people have beaten a path to California. It's a beautiful state, great topography, all kinds of diversity in terms of the different communities you can live in. And yet, they never lost population until their current governor took office. Now they're hemorrhaging wealth. Now they're hemorrhaging population because you think, see things like what I saw the other day in San Francisco. I saw people defecating on the sidewalk. I saw yeah. people in an open-air drug market using fentanyl. I saw them using crack cocaine. And I had, quite frankly, I'm walking the streets. I had some of the, the left-wing San Francisco people, uh, you know, say some nasty things to me. But you know what I had, Kaylee? I had the police officers come over uh, and shake my hand and thank me for what we're doing in Florida because they wish that they had a commitment to law and order in the state of California and in San Francisco. So we can cite all the statistics. People vote with their feet. And if someone picks up and moves 2,500 miles across the country from California to Florida, that's a major statement. Okay, well, that wasn't about the book banning. Sorry, I thought it was. But it was about <laughs> – that's part of it. That's a – that was uh, Gavin Newsom lying and trying to say that California's in Greece as everyone leaves. That's why, that's why four out of ten people here want to leave because it's so great, right? Doesn't that make sense that 40% of the state wants to leave because it's so great here because they're number one in everything? Gavin Newsom is such a scumbag, such a lying, little, greasy politician, such a disgusting – everything people hate about politicians in one person is Gavin Newsom. So uh, this is more incredible, of course, gaslighting from from uh, from Gavin Newsom and uh, Ron DeSantis is right. That's what San Francisco is like. That's what San Francisco is like. People shitting, pissing in the streets, doing heroin, fentanyl, crack in the streets, on the subways, on Muni, on BART, um, tents all over the place. Oh, yes, that stuff always happens in the greatest economies, right? Eat your heart out, Germany. We have more tents than you will ever think. Eat your heart out. That's a, that's his new thing, Gavin Newsom, right? Eat your heart out, Germany. Eat your heart out, Florida. Eat your heart out, Texas. Yeah. What a fucking scumbag. What a scumbag. Eat your heart out, Florida and Texas and Germany. We have more tent cities than you'll ever have. I truly despise him. Wouldn't you die to have that DeSantis, but really, I, I, that DeSantis-Newsom debates, wouldn't you just love to see Newsom, DeSantis just, just fucking destroy that slimy hair gel king on stage three fucking times, three fucking times? I would love to see it. Still a possibility. One never knows how things will play out when you have a 80-year-old you know, Alzheimer's patient as president. Things can change. Things can change pretty quickly. And Democrats, because this guy has this slimy ability, this this the ability to be a real slimy, you know, uh, slick-talking scumbag, they would much rather have him. He's perfect for the Democrats than, of course, Kamala Harris, who speaks in these ridiculous word salads. So uh, you never know what's going to happen, right? You never know what's going to happen. Things can change very, very quickly. But boy, would I love to see DeSantis destroy Gavin Newsom. Just destroy him on the stage. 
Okay. All right. Well, I guess we should lighten things up a little bit here. Um, is John ready? It's been a while. It's been a while since John has, uh, and Mr. Williams has been here to play me in, but I think he's ready. You all ready? Okay. You guys ready? Williams, Boston Pops. By the way, I don't have the all of the Boston Pops here in my living room. My living room is too small. I live in a, an apartment in San Francisco, so my, my living room is way too small to have the entire Boston Pops, but there's enough of them to make this work. So you guys ready? All right. Okay. It's all right. Okay. Um, what do we interview? Oh, uh, reviewing Asteroid City. Asteroid City. Uh, directed by Wes Anderson. And actually, we, we've talked about Bill Murray with Groundhog Day. This is one of the few Wes Anderson films that Bill Murray's not in. And I'll tell you why Bill Murray's not in this. It has nothing to do with the sex allegations of him being a creep on not, none of that stuff. Um, he got COVID when they were about to film Asteroid City. And I'm sure he got, I'm sure it was fake COVID. I'm sure it was a fake test. But anyway, you know how things were um, during the COVID years. So they wouldn't, he couldn't do it. So instead of uh, him doing it, it was, uh, who who filled in for him? Uh, I'm, I'm losing my, uh, it wasn't the lead. The lead, by the way, is Jason Schwartzman. Okay, it's Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson. As usual with any Wes Anderson film, it's a huge cast. Tom Hanks, uh, Jeffrey Wright, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Jake Ryan, uh, Rupert Friend, uh, who else is it? Lee Schreiber. I mean, it's an incredible cast. It's an incredible cast. And uh, why isn't the role that Bill Murray was supposed to play in the, Steve Carell? The the role that Steve Carell plays that was supposed to be. Look, the cast is so huge that Carell is like at the bottom of the list here. It's really amazing. But he plays the hotel manager that Bill Murray was going to play this role. And instead, Steve Carell ended up playing the role. Um, Matt Dillon. We haven't seen Matt Dillon in a while, right? So it's a huge, huge, huge cast. Uh, and the story is uh, takes place in a kind of a uh, a, a, a desert town. Um, desert town circa 1950-something. Where all these different people from different walks of life end up in this city called Asteroid City, okay? Um, and they go there to witness uh, some kind of a, a, a phenomenon in space, right? It's kind of like a, like, a, like a show, like a star show in space. And it's, of course, in the middle of the desert, so it's very clear. If anyone's ever lived in the middle of the desert, you know that it's so easy to see the stars. So this city is known for this. It's like one of these, you know, sometimes... I don't know if anyone's been driving to like the desert. I think it's Southern California where they have like that big uh, thermometer. They have the huge thermometer. So all these little small towns in these deserts, you know, have like this tourist connection where connections to tourists go to see something, whether it's a, uh, a fake dinosaur or a giant space, a giant uh, thermometer. Well, in Asteroid City, this fabricated fake city, of course, they go to witness this, uh, uh, you know, galactic phenomenon. But 
but but to the surprise of all of them there is some kind of an uh, uh alien invasion not a not a not a violent invasion but there's a a meteorite which this town has which the you know the meteorite is from hundreds and hundreds of years ago and this town has it for people to come and see well during this whole thing where they're there to look at the phenomenon in the skies <laughs> these alien this alien appears comes down and steals the the uh <laughs> object brings it back into outer space and later on in the film the alien comes back and drops it back down after engraving something in it so everyone's wondering what the hell's happening of course it's the 50s and you remember in the 50s not only were they doing the you know the tests in the desert with the atomic bomb but there was also all these you know fears over possible nuclear war right aliens were big uh uh, uh the uh Area 51 in the desert, that was huge. You know, so all these things were happening, right, in the 50s. And Asteroid, West Anderson's film touches on a lot of these things. But if you're a West Anderson fan, then you will understand his, um, his milieu. And Wes Anderson is one of those directors that you either like him or you don't. He's kind of an acquired taste, I think. I've always liked Wes Anderson, from his first small budget film called Bottle Rocket to this film, I think Wes Anderson has become better with every film. Every film I see, I think he's become deeper. He has uh, uh, become a better filmmaker. Um, I think his films have become more profound. But Wes Anderson's films, what I like about them is they're profound in a way that doesn't hit you over the head. All the films add up to something. Now, this is a very difficult film to describe, right? It's one of those films that's hard. Wes Anderson's films in general are hard to review, right? Because he has a certain aesthetic, right? Um, his sets are always brilliant, right? But his sets have always been more kind of like theatrical, right? It's kind of been his, the way he uses props and his set design has always been more you, you think of it more of a theatrical production, a stage production than a film, but he makes them cinematic. So it's kind of this hybrid between theater and cinema. And this film really delves into that. The whole idea here is we get the scenes that are shot in Asteroid City in color. Then we go to black and white. And what it is, we, we see the, the background where the writer, the person who wrote Asteroid City, right, a Southern writer, kind of like a more of a Fett Hemingway type, uh, played by Edward Norton, describes the play he's writing. So this is basically a play that's being written by Edward Norton about this city and about the people who end up in Asteroid City. And Brian Cranston plays the narrator, and he narrates the story about this play that's being written by Edward Norton about these people. And Jason Schwartzman, all the actors in this, we also see them in the black and white world behind the scenes talking about their characters. So these are actors that are playing characters that are being written for a theater play. But then we go into color and, of course, we get the vibrant Wes Anderson sets and his uh, the great costumes and the incredible cinematography by Robert Yeoman. And if you know Wes Anderson, you know his style, a lot of tracking shots close-ups. That's Wes Anderson's style. And of course, very, uh, very clever, dry um, humor that, that Wes Anderson is, is, is famous for. 
uh, and dead be- deadpan delivery by the direct by the by the actors. So um, once again, it's one of those films where if you're a Wes Anderson fan, you'll like it. If you're not a Wes Anderson fan, you probably shouldn't see it. And I like Wes Anderson. I think once again, I think his films have become deeper. This film basically is about a guy played by Jason Schwartzman who goes to the city with his son, a nerdy son, and three daughters. And the three daughters are played by actual three sisters and three cute little girls. So it's his son and three sisters. And he goes to Asteroid City and he goes there with a Tupperware filled with the ashes of his ex-wife, of his wife who died three weeks earlier. And he's not, he has not told his family, he hasn't told his son and three daughters that their mother died until this point. He decides that when he gets to Asteroid City, he's going to tell them that their mother has died and he has their ashes and um, that he wants to, you know, uh, bury her ashes. And he goes there for answers, basically, right? His wife had just died. He's now widowed. He has four kids. His father-in-law is played by Tom Hanks, a guy who's never really liked him that much. And, of course, Tom Hanks also ends up in Asteroid City when he finds out they're there. Um, and, uh, and so he's going for answers, basically the answers to life. And what, what's the next chapter in his life? What his wife gone and four young kids and a father-in-law who um, doesn't particularly like him. But because he's you know part of his family – says, of course, he can live with them. So he's in this uh, period in his life where he doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't know what's next. And the film is basically about that not having answers in a way, right? The uh, not, not understanding the mysteries of life, right? And it's all reflected on what happens with this alien who comes down and, and takes this, you know, meteorite and brings it back. Why does the alien do that? What do these aliens want? What's the point of the alien taking this meteorite, in, in, you know, engraving something into it and then bringing it back down? What is the alien trying to say? And so Jason Schwartzman and all the characters in this city are trying to figure out what exactly this means. Are the aliens going to invade? Are they going to take over? Uh, is, 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 you know, what, what, what's happening? So the film is basically about things that can't be answered, right? Questions that can't be answered. And what's happening in Schwartzman's life kind of reflects what happens with the with the alien and uh, and everything else that's going on in Asteroid City. And so while most films, well, most audiences expect films to give you answers, this film only really gives us questions and ideas. And we have to fill in the spaces. Wes Anderson is not going to do that for us. That's people are going to find that frustrating. A lot of moviegoers, especially people who aren't Wes Anderson fans are going to find that kind of frustrating. But if you like films like that and you're into Wes Anderson, you'll see that this is him at his most Wes Anderson. He's also reflecting on his own filmmaking, right? Where his, like I say, his sets have always been very theatrical, uh, uh, obviously obvious fabrications of real, of real society. All right. Um, So obvious uh, theatrical cinematic fabrications, and Wes Anderson is always trying to get beneath that and trying to find meaning in what's going on, right? And so here he's kind of reflecting on his own filmmaking, right? Where it's a theater piece that's being written and being played out in cinematic, beautiful, 
color in this desert city, while the behind the scenes stuff and the making of is all done in black and white. So we have Wes Anderson reflecting on his own filmmaking, what his own filmmaking means. We have a character who's lost, not sure exactly what the answers are, what's next. We have aliens that are coming down and we don't know why they're doing it. And so it's really a film about mysteries, the mysteries of life. And I think it's a great movie. I really do. I mean, if you go with it and you enjoy Wes Anderson's style, once again, I think you're going to find it to be very rewarding. And I think the greatest thing about Wes Anderson is that he has fun, right? I find all of his films incredibly charming, entertaining, uh, kind, gentle, humane. And he's never lost that, uh, I guess, you know, that minimalist filmmaking that he did in Bottle Rocket, right? Just that whole childhood, that, that kind of childlike fascination with uh, with cinema. And he's carried that through even all of these films that have had, of course, much more profound screenplays um, and messages than his first film, Bottle Rocket. He still has that like that childlike integrity. And that's what I really like about Wes Anderson. He's never been he never he's never allowed himself to become a cynical filmmaker and you could tell that one of the reasons why everyone in hollywood wants to work with him and he gets these incredible casts is because i'm sure it's a really fun experience working with wes anderson and that he has a good time a great time making films and i'm sure his actors also have a great time and that's also re always reflected in Wes Anderson's films. Everyone's having a, a really good time. And uh, there's that childlike innocence to all of his films, no matter how successful he's gotten, no matter how big of a, you know, you know, how much of a budget he's worked with compared to his earlier films. He's always kept that, that childlike innocence and quality. But I think he's become much more profound uh, as a filmmaker. And I love this film that he's kind of exploring his, his own style, really. And what he's all about. And uh, it's like I said, it's a film that doesn't give us many answers. And the person I saw it with came out and said, I don't know what that was about. What was that about? I think it's really about the mysteries of life and how they play out in so many, in so many different ways. And I loved it. I think it's one of his best movies. I think his films keep getting better and better. And I always look forward to his next film. So I, I highly recommend Asteroid City. It is truly like nothing you've ever seen before. And once again, if you're if you're a Wes Anderson fan, I think you'll really love it. So Asteroid City, check it out. Directed by Wes Anderson. All right. Hey guys, do you want to um play me out? Okay, thanks. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Missed you guys. It's been a while. Been a few weeks. Yeah. All right. We'll see you back next Friday. All right. Thank you. Thanks, John Williams and the Boston Pops. How many of you guys are here? Four, four, four of you. Okay. How many other usually? Eight? Nine? 
Well, not bad. More than that. More than that, right? Okay. Anyway, um, it's been a great week. It's been a kind of a hectic week. I mean, I the first couple of shows were in New York, and now I'm back in in San Francisco, and uh, so uh, it's been uh, it's been kind of a wild and wacky week for me. But um, next week will be. I think I'll be over the jet lag hopefully by Monday. And I want to remind everyone, this show airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. It's called And Let's Be Heard. Thanks, everyone, for listening, as always. I'll see you on the other side of the weekend on Monday night. But until then, this is Mike Achopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.